0: and barbed wire a pro wrestling podcast brought to you by dmv wrestling at dmvprowrestling.com be sure to visit the site every day for the latest pro wrestling news thank you for joining us my guest today is Logan Isu LaRue, mm-hmm. native of Northern Virginia, and has been a professional wrestler since 2007. He is a former VCW heavyweight champion and one half of NRG, the current VCW tag team Champions. Mm-hmm. He's wrestled in several companies where he held other titles. LaRue announced recently that he's retiring this year. VCW announced that the farewell match of Logan Isu LaRue will be against AEW star Huyo Utah on November 11th in Alexandria, Virginia. Stay tuned to the DMV Wrestling website for more on that show. I'll start off with a handful of icebreaker questions before we move into the meat of the interview. Okay, what's your favorite food?
1: Favorite food is pizza.
0: And your favorite drink?
1: Favorite drink is probably the silver ice rock star. I drink one every morning.
0: That's the second person we said who who gave an energy drink answer. Dustin Tara told us t four.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, need our caffeine.
0: What is your favorite vacation spot?
1: Me and my wife
0: love Key West, Florida. And what is your favorite band or musician? It's a
1: pretty um, non-cultured pick, but it's probably Blink-182. Okay,
0: and what is the last book you read?
1: The last book I read, I believe, was um, Quentin Tarantino's novelization of his movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
0: That was a great movie. I'll have to read the book.
1: Yeah, add, it adds a lot of details. Really, It's really well done. I do recommend it.
0: And what is the hardest bump you've ever taken?
1: The hardest bump I've ever taken. Hmm. I used to do a uh, tag team with my tag team partner, NRG. We used to do a spot, kind of like a Hardy Boy spot, where I'd jump off his back uh, and dive out of the ring. And I did that, and I totally missed the person I was supposed to land on. And I landed in like the first and second row, and that really sucked.
0: And what wrestling shows did you watch on TV or in person growing up that played a role when you choose to become a wrestler?
1: Uh, when I was a kid, I was totally a WWF kid. I would say SmackDown was, like, my favorite show every week. Of course, I watched Raw as well. But, like, as I was coming in, some more of, like, a quote-unquote smart fan or, like, like, middle school age was uh, the brands were split. And I would say I was a bigger SmackDown than Raw fan. And so I watched that a little more religiously.
0: And what kind of training did you undergo to become a wrestler? So
1: I trained with uh, Kaida Pro Wrestling that used to be based in Manassas, Virginia. Uh, I started when I was 16, and in my class were Nyla Rose and uh, Mia Yim. Now, I think she has a different name in WWE, but those are uh, two of the people I trained with under John Kerman, Christian York, Bobby Shields, and C.A. Elliott.
0: And what specific wrestlers back then influenced you the most to become involved in pro wrestling?
1: So, uh, growing up, Jeff Hardy was definitely number one. Uh, Jeff Hardy, for sure. Shawn Michaels, I think every white guy under six foot is a Shawn Michaels fan. Uh, Sting, of course. Rey Mysterio. I was always a fan of like the more high-flying, babyface-type wrestlers, which is funny because I've never portrayed that very well myself while wrestling.
0: Who are some wrestlers who that you've enjoyed working with the most?
1: Just off the top of my head, uh, Sanjay Dudd is probably my favorite opponent. Um, Eric Royal is definitely high up on that list as well. Uh, recently, both Cheeseburger and um, Rhett Titus, I love getting in the ring with them. Bobby Shields always. And uh, a tag team called Devastation Corporation that was based in Chikara. I'm a big fan of wrestling them. We always had good, brutal matches together.
0: What wrestling or media resources or influences did you draw upon as you constructed your persona of champion of the
1: 1%? I'm a real movie nerd. I watch everything. And I would say, like, as champion of the 1%, I feel like every rich guy gimmick nowadays kind of has a little bit of Patrick Bateman, American Psycho. Uh, as I was coming into my own, get more bookings was around the time Wolf of Wall Street came out, so that definitely get into it. Um, Gordon Gecko from Wall Street. Just, I mean, real-life people, too. I don't want to get political or anything, but there's definitely some real-life politician and media or social figures that I kind of grab some influence, take things here and there from.
0: That makes a lot of sense, and I know it's kind of more of a harder edge to it from the names you described than the original Four Horsemen Ric Flair gimmick.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, um, I think a good thing about a wrestling gimmick is the ability for it to be malleable, like it can work in front of uh, a fair show with lots of kids, or it can work in like a brewery, more bar setting that's mostly like, drunk, more like, heavy metal type fans, as opposed to just like, somebody that wants to see the bad guy fall down a lot, make a jerk of himself.
0: And talk to me about what you see as the major differences between singles wrestling and tag team wrestling and how your career has been impacted by both.
1: Um there's definitely there's a, an art to both of them. I personally I do prefer a singles match just because like I can be a bit of a control freak and yeah, a good part of the tag team match you can be on the outside not in the ring and lack control and sometimes that can be frustrating. Um I do think they're almost like different genres of um of movies like i would or media in general like a tag team match maybe is more like a tv series whereas putting together a singles match is more like putting together a movie uh there's more um moving parts in a tag team match and i think for the most part uh, people might think that all wrestling tells a similar story i do think tag team wrestling good tag team wrestling isn't as uh, a to b to c as it often is on indie shows because a lot of times it'll just be two guys kind of thrown together and they're not really like a, a functional tag team. Like when I watch uh, in current wrestling, when I watch like FTR matches, I really feel like, man, they're so fucking creative. And I used to love like brain busters and rockers matches. Um, Mike Quackenbush was always talking about them and I love them because like, you would never know where it was like, this is where the real cutoff happens. This is where the bad guys take over. It builds and builds and builds, hot tag, blah, blah, blah. Like if you watch wrestling, for much time, you definitely recognize that, but I think with f t r and with those brainbusters guys, you used like it would be so blended you wouldn't even like in your head you'd be invested, but you wouldn't recognize like okay, here's the cutoff, this is the heat spot we're waiting for the hot tag. It was always just moving and exciting, and I love uh I hope my best matches as a tag team uh can have some of that to them.
0: I grew up as a big tag team fan back in the eighties when there was a a lot. More tag team wrestling in some of the national circles than there has been lately.
1: I think the '80s really is kind of the golden age of tag team wrestling. Even um, like it, uh, it, it wasn't always traditional two on two, but like the Freebirds and the Von Erics, same things like Rockers, Brainbusters. You know, it's just like it was dudes going at it, and, like they had each other's backs in the team, but they're just awesome action. And I think uh, the more colors you can paint with, the more characters in the match, sometimes the more exciting it is.
0: And speaking of Von Erich, are you looking forward to the Iron Claw movie?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, that story, I think, as wrestling fans, we all know how it's going to go down. But, you know, I know plenty of my non-real nerdy or not even wrestling fans at all watch that trailer and excited. And I'm like, oh, man, you got, you got to. I bet that movie is going to ruin a lot of people's days if they're not aware of the story. And even those of us who are aware of the story.
0: Do you have any favorite memories when you wrestled as Race Jackson?
1: yeah definitely uh i'm still tagging with the reason now who when i was race jackson was hype rockwell and like i mean we butt heads all the time we're like brothers but i love tagging with them uh, my f- number one favorite is probably when he and i won the um campeonatos de parejas the tag team championship in Chikara from devastation corporation that was in norfolk actually uh, and it's still one of my probably like top five if not Higher than that, favorite matches ever. But me and him went to the UK twice and wrestled. Uh, We wrestled British Strong Style, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven over there. Uh, We tagged with Heidi Loveless quite a few times. Uh, I didn't, I think some of the work I'm least proud of that people probably saw was after we split up and I was young and handsome, Race Jackson. I think I never really found my footing um, as that character, even if some of the matches were okay. But uh, as Race Jackson and the tag team NRG, I, I was really happy once we kind of figured out our chemistry together as a team and a lot of the matches we had.
0: I was looking for some of your promos earlier today when I was doing my research for this interview, and I found a Logan Eastman LaRue and champion of 1% when you did for, I don't remember the exact promotion, I know it was Capitol Television, and you were complaining about the building being too cold.
1: Uh, basically, that came about just because I was complaining a lot in the dressing room because it was really fucking cold in that building, and then they just basically started filming me.
0: Just pretty good ad lib, then.
1: <laughs> yeah, that might have been the coldest I've ever been. I hate being cold, and that building was freezing. It was uh, I think it was in either Jersey City or Newark in like early March, and it was miserable.
0: There may be a- some younger fans or some older fans even who aren't familiar with Chikara, could you talk to me about Chikara and what you liked about it and, and what some of the matches were like there and what the format was like and what the company was like when it was working in this area?
1: Sure. Uh, Chikara was a company that was uh, kind of like uh, the way Mike Quackenbush was the founder of Chikara always described it as like, if WWE is vanilla and AEW or TNA or WCW is chocolate, Chikara is like the weird, pink bubblegum flavor at the ice cream shop. It was kind of the wacky American Lucha company. And um, a lot of the matches would be multi-man matches. Of course, there's still singles matches, but there would be way more like... They did a King of Trios tournament every year, so three-on-three matches. There would be lots of scrambles kind of before that became the in thing on independent wrestling. Um, I think there's a lot of things they did that were pretty cutting-edge that we saw more in the independent wrestling boom of the last, like... I don't know, 10-ish years or so that I think Shikar was kind of the pioneer for. Um, the company overall, I would just say, is, was like a very colorful company. I think if you were to bring uh, kids to see wrestling, it was always family-friendly. But it also, like, there would be uh, deep storylines and kind of like if you were watching Arrested Development or something with, like, long-running gags, Shikar would always have that and try to keep continuity which, uh, for the most part, at least at the time when they started, or even uh, again until 10 years ago, and now it's kind of missing again, there was no independent companies that were having these long-running storylines. Uh, it, it was always just kind of, here's a match, here's another match, here's a tag team match. Uh, and Chikara was very different than that. Uh, also, currently, like if you flip on AEW or even WWE, there's so many wrestlers who either came from Chikara or passed through Chikara at some point. And the whole system down in uh, at the performance center now. A lot of it is based in similar teaching under Drew Gulak to what Chikar was and what was taught at the Wrestle Factory.
0: And I know what you said about continuity storyline. I've noticed that at different companies as I've gone to different shows or followed them online. It's just a lot of one-off matches, and and sometimes they'll get a storyline right, and it'll be subtle, and they'll do something that makes sense as you see it moving forward month to month. For example, somebody I know who you've wrestled with as ECW, but up in another company, when they did Miles Hawkins turning from being a member of the trade in MCW to being a baby face, they totally did subtle digs with him having a falling out over several months, and it slowly happened and got to the point that you knew what was going to happen soon, but you didn't know when. So I just think that's a good thing to do. But then there's, I've also seen things at other companies where a baby face comes in, the fan favorite picking up the kids in the audience giving them his bandana or whatever then at the end of the match i mean the end of the event the same very night they do a heel turn out of nowhere on the person with no build-up for it
1: yeah well i think just on independent shows i think it can be hard there's um sometimes they don't know what the follow-up date is or like who's going to be available when i think things get rushed and uh a lot of times stories if they're willing to do a story it becomes like beholden to circumstance uh actually executing it which i think usually hurts the execution of it
0: and i've also seen where the angles were carried on social media and not every fan who comes to the show has seen the social media videos
1: totally yeah Uh, i would totally agree with that i don't know outside of a real television company where the The wrestlers or the performers have millions of followers if it's really worthwhile to be talking trash to each other on Twitter or Facebook or wherever. But I don't know. Whatever. Not my thing.
0: Tell me about your history in the wrestling business working with Wheeler Yuta.
1: Okay. Uh, Me and Yuta, I don't know. I think if you check his Wikipedia, I've known Yuta. I believe I met him through Chikara which uh, he was training at, but he was I believe he was trained originally elsewhere. And he, he was wrestling under a different character then. Uh, but then we have wrestled as uh, Logan easton LaRoe and Wheeler Yuta twice at Nova. The first time I beat him, the second time he beat me. Um, and we are the only two Commonwealth Cup champions, which was Nova Pro's tournament that only lasted twice. But nonetheless, I won the first one. He won the second one, and we were never able to uh, have that blow off match. So that was what November 11th is all about. Other than my retirement, is uh, I'd like to get to be two and one over Wheeler Utah in this area.
0: Following up on that, what's it what's it going to be like for you going back home to Alexandria area, Northern Virginia to wrestle again after wrestling mainly VCW down in in the Tidewater area?
1: Yeah, I mean uh, it'll be almost five years since Nova Pro closed its doors, so it'll definitely be a homecoming of sorts. I'm curious how the fans react to me. They might uh they definitely booed me back then. We'll see what happens now. Um but I'm really excited for it. I'm excited to see a lot of people and a lot of fans that I haven't seen for a long time there. And I think It should be a great show on the 11th.
0: And I'm hoping to be there because I've never been to a VCW show.
1: I appreciate it, man. I hope to see you there. On top of my match, there's a lot of great action lined up. Nyla Rose, uh, my friend the Boar, the VCW champions, defending against uh, Joseph Keyes, which I'm sure is going to be a killer match as well.
0: What's your most embarrassing moment in wrestling?
1: I mean, I've had plenty of matches that uh, I've been wrestling a long time. So with that, I think it comes with the territory. Plenty of matches that like something has gone wrong, be it a botch or just crowd is not feeling whatever is happening and sometimes you can try to work them and if the crowd never comes up it's just like man i feel fucking stupid right now uh that time that i dove into those chairs i don't know if it was as uh painful as it was it was definitely embarrassing as well i'd say those are probably the uh the worst times It's been times I've had to really go to the bathroom like right as soon as my music hits and that's like personally embarrassing. Luckily, the fans are probably not aware of it, but it sucks to be uh, backstage and have that feeling. I wouldn't wish that on anybody.
0: What do you consider some of your top matches? Talk about maybe three or four matches that are your top matches in your career.
1: It'll be hard. It'll change every day. Uh, The first one, just because it's fresh on my mind, that NRG versus Devastation Corporation in Norfolk, Virginia. It was on a Chikar event called the Marta Complex. Just a killer, killer match. We really beat the shit out of each other. And I was happy to do it. Me and Sanjay Dutt at a Nova Pro event. I think it was last exit to Springfield. We had like street fight type match or relax rules kind of match. Me and Eric Royal at one of the Nova projects wrestled for like 30 minutes. And by the end of it, they're truly, I, I don't toot my own horn too often, but there was not a fan in a seat by the end of it. Were, everybody was up, just fired up, ready to watch it and let me cap it off with a fourth one this isn't me as logan easton LaRoe, but uh me as blank against still life with apricots and pears now edith surreal at king of trios 2019 we had a singles match that capped off a long story we were doing in Chicara that i was really proud of so that i'll go with those four today
0: okay after 16 years in the business what made you decide to retire now
1: 16 years in the business made me retire after 16 years in the business. You know, I'm getting older. I'm 33 now. Other things in my personal life, I think that maybe I've neglected or haven't given the time and care that I think I probably should have, I'd like to take care of. And uh, fortunately, I have some bumps and bruises, but for the most part, my body's held up. And as I'm getting older, I don't know if I'm, I'm happy to leave now healthy on my own terms as opposed to being forced to leave or even worse becoming embarrassing or I would never want to be the guy in the show that like people are wrestling. They're like, uh, oh, you can kind of get something out of them, but you got to do all the bumping. Basically. You're like, I don't want to be the guy that people don't want to wrestle. I'd like to leave uh, with everyone. Hopefully having had a good experience working with me, either in the ring or professionally as a, a performer and a wrestler.
0: How do you want to be remembered by a band?
1: Somebody that you enjoy watching. I hope, you know, I hope that I helped, if i'm a heel which i would say i've been probably
0: 90 percent
1: of the matches i've had i've been a heel i hope that the babyface left better than when they came in um i hope fans had fun booing me and even maybe had that genuine hateful reaction but it's something they can like later look back on and be like man he was a fucker i hope to be remembered as somebody people enjoyed watching you know i'm not dead or anything yet so like who knows i could get bored six months into next year and suddenly have a comeback run but i just hope that uh anyone who ever saw me wrestle felt like they got their money's worth out of it and uh for the wrestlers i hope uh i'm remembered as somebody everyone had fun wrestling and hopefully either i helped them get a little bit more over or maybe i helped them try something they hadn't tried before something like that i just i hope i've left a good impression on both the fans and the wrestlers
0: some people say this is a specific match. Some people say this is a specific championship. I had one person say this was seeing their parents see them wrestle every night that they were on the show. Okay. What's your proudest accomplishment in wrestling?
1: This might seem kind of lame because it's uh, maybe it's too obvious an answer. And in the scheme of things, maybe is isn't super important. But the first uh, AEW Dark match I had was against Tony Meese, also down in Norfolk. Uh, and I was wrestling as a good guy, which, again, I... I'm not super comfortable with, but they gave us for a dark match. They gave us a bit of time and Tony was kind enough to give me like a pretty good amount of offense for just an enhancement local guy and the, uh, the whole arena we're I think we are the first match of the taping period, the whole arena was Channing Logan, uh, during portions of it. So for me, that is personal accomplishment and, you know, is some vindication that like, Hey, maybe these at the time only 14 years, still too long. Uh hasn't been all for nothing.
0: And you've been in the business for 16 years. You've seen independent wrestling change a lot during that time. And most recently, COVID really caused a lot of challenges for the independent scene and even for the national scene. So what do you see as being the state of independent wrestling and the state of wrestling overall right now moving forward and where you think things are going to go in the future?
1: A loaded question. The state of independent wrestling now, I think... It's in a much better place than when I started. When I started, I think there was basically every independent was, to be honest, kind of the shits, uh, at least in comparison to now. Like, there's a lot more people, older guys who didn't want to do anything. They were in it for for whatever fucking reason, it's like a $50 payday. And it's like, but I'm not bumping. I'm called in the ring. All that bullshit that, like, no, you're just lazy. And it was, I feel like people did a lot less traveling that I saw back then. So there wasn't as much intermixing. And there wasn't, uh, there was MySpace, but there wasn't the social media networking possibilities you see now. That being said, I, unfortunately, now I do feel like a lot of wrestling, especially in the independence, kind of follows the same template. And a lot of guys are kind of, um, everyone can do too much everyone's good at everything so I think it kind of like takes away some of the flavor of independent wrestling and like the the idea of like a styles clash which I think is the kind of the more exciting style of wrestling is like what happens when this grappler wrestles this high flyer now every match everybody's good at hitting everybody's good at wrestling everybody's good at flying and it takes eight moves for me to beat you where we both get eight moves and then finally on the ninth one you crumble and I think um I think independent wrestling fans, they're conditioned to know when to do that. This is awesome and uh, pop and all that. But I, I feel like it's that whole, for lack of a better term, I think it's kind of like the PWG style. I think it's gotten a little stale. And I think on TV wrestling, unfortunately, similarly, as much as the fans are conditioned to that kind of reaction, has also to me just the actual in ring stuff does feel a little more stale, and I, I don't have a good answer for where to go because there is so much wrestling on TV. So, but unfortunately, it all feels a little to me, it feels a little same, to you, which is easy for me to say on the outside looking in. That being said, I think wrestling is in a good place. I think there's better athletes now, people who are hungrier, more passionate than ever before in wrestling. There's more wrestlers, period, than ever before, um, which is good and bad because. Uh, some of them maybe could have been buying tickets and there's less people in the stands than there. Maybe could be, but who knows? You know, WWE is super hot. I know they were just um, here locally in Northern Virginia. They are just at the uh, George Mason Arena and they totally sold out the house show, which I, to my knowledge, I don't know that that's happened since like the Attitude Era. So obviously they are definitely doing something right. And having two companies on TV multiple times a week, that's good for wrestlers, period. Anyway, look at it, like you can get into stupid twitter arguments or whatever but no matter what those are two viable companies in the united states that are uh helping a lot of wrestlers make a comfortable living which is great for my forecast for the rest of wrestling i don't know i think the art's there and i think no matter what wrestling is like comic books or like movies or any kind of entertainment medium it's always going to be there and it'll ebb and flow but uh, hopefully wrestling is on a good track
0: And I'll throw out a couple of points that I have in response to what you were talking about. I remember back when I started being a listener of podcasts, back early 2010s when I was commuting from Baltimore to D.C. on the train every day, listened to all kinds of different podcasts. The only wrestling one I ever found that was regularly done and that was worth a damn was Colt Cabana at that point. Yeah. There's so many wrestling podcasts now, and I've added to the glut of them in the last year, so I'm kind of guilty of that, but it's just. There's so many different choices and different types of podcasts, and along with the social media, it's just changed things a lot. And as far as TV goes, I mean, there was a new TV deal announced today. I don't know if you heard about the NWA deal.
1: Yeah, I did see that. To be honest, that's great, though, that wrestling on network TV, when I was a kid, man, uh, my mom sometimes didn't have Gables, so all I had was SmackDown now uh if somebody without cable there's a lot of people without cable but if they're watching network tv you can get smackdown and nwa which are going to be two different flavors of wrestling too so i think that's great
0: one last question if you were to give a farewell message right now to the fans your fellow workers and anyone else in the business what would it be
1: i would just say thank you um like i said i started when i was 16 i've loved wrestling since i was five and uh I've been able to do a lot of cool shit, and I would not have been able to do any of that if it wasn't for promoters taking a chance on me, my trainers doing the best they could with me, uh, wrestlers helping me out, and of course, fans being there to support me. You know, it doesn't take much to retweet something or to like something or even to post something complimentary on Twitter or social media, but uh i don't think people realize the power it has and how much it really means it truly means a lot to me when i did see like when i posted the official match graphic with you to how many people had nice things to say and it really it truly it meant a lot to me so i really appreciate it so my my parting message is thank you for everything
0: i want to thank you for being on and uh hopefully we'll be seeing you on november 11th in Alexandria. i hope everybody in northern virginia and dc maryland area can get to that show as well
1: yes sir thank you so much
0: thanks a lot now for our credits i'm jeff quentin and i'm the host our producer is scott english if you'd like to contribute to the costs cost of this podcast and receive a mention as a producer in these credits please contact us at dmvprowrestling at gmail.com our production assistant is josie quentin the musical credits are provided in the notes for this episode thanks again for joining us and be sure to visit dmvprowrestling.com every day for the latest pro wrestling news
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, two tickets to the gun show